0: Welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to John Ho, co-chair of the OSHA Workplace Safety Practice at Cozen O'Connor, about OSHA's new injury reporting rule. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by John Ho, co-chair of the OSHA Workplace Safety Practice at Cozen O'Connor. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Jay.
1: Appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, great to have you here, um, and you've, you've been on the show before, but uh, I was wondering if you could, uh, for the audience's benefit, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Cozen O'Connor again.
1: Sure. Um, so I am, as you mentioned, uh, a lawyer here at Cozen O'Connor. I'm in Cozen's uh, New York City office, and I co-chair Cozen's uh, OSHA practice here, um, and it may be worth just re-mentioning to, to those folks that don't, um, don't know me and haven't heard my and I certainly won't bore your audience with all of it, but in terms of my OSHA experience prior to coming into private practice, I spent a number of years with the U.S. Department of Labor where I prosecuted OSHA cases. Um, So, I've got some experience on these issues on both the government side and certainly for the last 20 or so years on the private practice management side.
0: Excellent. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, a new OSHA final rule that went into effect on January 1st. So I was wondering if you could kind of uh, give us a little breakdown about uh, what people have uh, need to need to expect Sure so um, for those following along
1: with this with this rule I just as a good reminder I mean this rule first this electronic record-keeping rule first started uh, when Obama was in office and his administration and his OSHA, Um, and it was pretty broad. It was it actually looked very similar to what the new rule looked like and then um, of course when Trump took office uh, not surprisingly every time there's a shift between you know Republican and sort of Democrats in office there are you know some different rulemaking perspectives I guess you would say and the Trump administration had rolled that back right and specifically citing some some privacy issues which I suspect we'll probably get into it a little bit but um, so now here we are with Biden, um, you know Biden's administration, and he had certainly um, during his campaign focused on workplace safety issues. And so now this final rule, I think the largest thing that it does is it now applies this electronic record keeping requirement to to establishments with 100 or more employees in certain high hazard industries, and those industries are defined in the regulations at Appendix B. So if you are uh, within that that peak employment for the last year of 100 employees and on Appendix B, now you must electronically file your Form 300 or what's commonly referred to as your OSHA log and also your Form 301, which is the incident and report forms. And I believe OSHA estimates that's going to capture you know, about 52,000 um, establishments or so. So that's really the the biggest change, and it, and it maintains some of the current rules requirements if you already have to um, submit your uh, OSHA summary. Uh, so that, that that doesn't really change. It was just broadening it to this 100 more
0: employees establishment in Appendix B. What, uh, what are some of those high hazard industries that are, uh, it's referring to?
1: like warehouse construction i mean these are the ones that you know historically have you know seen greater statistical um injury rates um different kinds of construction I, again i mean and uh, most of the national emphasis programs are are on that list um I am, i'm not sure about how many it is but it's probably it's really like the kinds of usual specs usual suspects that you would see like
0: those uh, and why did OSHA make the change was it kind of like you mentioned kind of going back to what uh, Obama had proposed or put in place uh you know years back yeah
1: I mean I, you know I don't you know hopefully I look some agencies like the national Labor national labor relations board right are sort of known to almost do 180s and flip-flop policies depending on you know depending on which party is you know holding the uh the administration, I, you know, I think historically OSHA has been less susceptible to that. So I don't want to necessarily, you know, it's politically driven, but I look, I think you ha- if you're going to look at this very candidly, I, I think you have to take a piece of that into account that there is some political uh, maneuvering involved here. But, um, you know, on its face, what, what the administration, what OSHA is saying now is like we did this because we believe that the transparency, right of providing this information because they will eventually make a lot of it available to the public is going to at the end of the day, you know, make workplaces safer. You know, now we can you know, argue about whether we think that actually is true or not, but they, you know, they they've expressed like, look, if you make this information available, then your employees, your potential employees, even your potential customers are are going to have more information and they can make informed decisions about the workplace. Um, and that will help incentivize um, these establishments to, quite frankly, do better at, at you know, providing a safe and health work environment for their employees.
0: And what's this change going to mean for employers? I mean, I know you kind of explained it, but you know, what what is it? What are they going to have to do? And what are you advising, uh, you know, clients about this? Well, I, I mean, look, there's,
1: um, you know, it certainly is a requirement. You have to. Keep, comply by if you're covered and if you don't, that could lead to they could lead to citations. Um, I think in 2022 OSHA, you know, informed put out press releases that they created um, sort of analytical tools to identify non responders. So it's less likely if you if you fail to report and need to. I mean, it's more likely you're, you know, you may get caught and that would be a citation. So certainly you want to comply with it if you if you have to, but. There's a lot of pieces to this in terms of training, right? I mean, it's more administrative work. I mean, it's one more requirement you have to comply by. I think the deadline, um, the the injury tracking application where the data is, is opened up to, opened up on January 2nd, I think it closes March 2nd. So there's some work, you know, for these establishments to do. And again, part of that is training, training the right people on how to do this. You know what to look for, what not, what not, what information OSHA doesn't want in, in terms of them trying to protect privacy. Um, and and quite frankly, if if you've got bad, or uh, let's say higher than normal injury uh, injury rates, um, you know through your log or through your or your your incident report forms, you could be a target for OSHA. So you certainly you know need to prepare for more aggressive enfor- enforcement depending on what your history looks like for the prior year. And so those are all things that employers need to sort of be aware of potential consequences as they go through this process.
0: Uh, Do you expect OSHA inspectors to to be pretty strict about this right off the bat, or are they going to give businesses some time to comply and maybe just sort of, you know, if they're not kind of doing it when an, an inspection takes place this year, maybe say, hey, you know, here's a warning, you need to you know, get your stuff in, in shape for the next time around.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's tough to say right now in terms of, you know, the, the enforcement component. I mean, look, if you are identified as a non-responder through the OSHA's analytics, right? I, you know, I don't think you're gonna get a whole lot of sympathy, um, mm-hmm. you probably see citations because again, OSHA's made clear they want to specifically identify non-responders. They want an even playing field across the board. If you're you're covered, you're covered, you have to comply. I guess the issue is if you are, if OSHA comes in through another, you know, through an accident and they're investigating something and they take a look at whether you should have um, reported or not, whether in that instance um, you've got a good reason for the cosho not to cite you, but I, I suspect, you know, employers shouldn't really rely on that. I mean, I, I, you know, again, the law is now in effect. They have to comply. I mean, if yeah. you get a sympathetic, you know, cosho maybe, but, but I would certainly expect that if you, you know, if you are inspected and you have not complied and you need to, that you should expect a record keeping
0: citation. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So obviously, let's talk about the the data. Um, you know, what exactly is it going to mean? Uh, you know, as far as the uh, expanded public access to uh, to some of this data that's being collected.
1: Yeah, and, and look, and, and as I mentioned before, you know, when we first started, I mean the trump administration's osha roll back right the the initial version citing privacy concerns right so now fast forward here i think that is certainly you've got a lot of industry groups you know and other stakeholders expressing some real concerns about the privacy piece and the rules designed right with a couple of safeguards if you will i mean if you're going through the process there are You know instructions on what not to report obviously very easily personal identifiable information, such as a name or social security number or healthcare provider information, Um, you know, but again that 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 obviously requires you know the person in you know inputting the information to understand that, to be trained properly, so there could certainly be breakdowns there, and then when OSHA said, look, we're taking other safeguards as well, certain information that we want you to send us, even though it could arguably identify somebody such as the date of birth, or the gender, or the job title, or the hire date, but you're going to also take some measures to ensure that you know you can identify somebody take the date of birth for instance even though they want month date and year um they're going to say we're just going to convert that to a number right in hopes Mm -hmm. of uh so you know they're obviously aware of this issue i mean it's nothing new to them they're taking some measures um look at the end of the day jay i think (laughs) you know what we'll have to see i mean i you know it's a lot of establishments that are going to be covered it's a lot of paperwork and could something you know slip through where you know i, I suspect you know that it would be reasonable to have that concern and and look and if it uh, what if an employer reports uh, a recordable injury but that wasn't actually technically didn't need to be recorded right there's a, a baby and it's discovered who that person is um, you know, there's some kind of breach of privacy lawsuit that the employee or the former employee brings against the employer and, you know, there can be creative arguments, you know, on this, you know, whether they should have been reported or that who made the mistake or whatever it is, particularly in small communities. Um, you know, is OSHA going to indemnify the employer for, for, you know, having filed that? I mean, I think we all could say the answer to that is going to be no. So, you know, I think it's, it's reasonable to ask some questions about how this plays out, particularly on the privacy piece.
0: Has OSHA indicated, like, how this data is going to be presented, or is it just going to be, like, kind of sitting there in a database that people can kind of go through, or how, you know, how are they kind of doing it?
1: Yeah, look like it will be available on you know in whatever link it is. I mean again, employers are submitting through an injury tracking application, and then they will they will publish after again using some tools to ensure that you know PII is not yeah. uh, you know is not part of it. But they'll but you know the general public you know will be able to access that limited information, probably run it through you know an establishment, um you know a name of the establishment and. You know, I haven't seen obviously how the data will look yet um, because, it, you know, obviously we haven't had passed the deadline yet. But, yeah. you know, the contents will certainly be made available to anyone who knows where to look for it.
0: Um, how do you how do you see this playing out over the year? I mean, do you do you feel like people will kind of get used to it and it, uh, you know, the furor will die down a little bit uh, or. You know, will people actually challenge this, and you know, with lawsuits and things like that? Yeah,
1: I I, I think certainly, um, you know, there there will be challenges. There tend to always sort of be legal challenges when rulemaking is um, for new rulemaking, and you know, and again, I, I think we have to just be realistic with ourselves that even though you hope that workplace safety and health issues are not political but I think something like this if we see you know let's see what happens in November right Jay I, I mean it, yep. if, you know, if the same administration that rolled it back after Obama is in office um you know I, I think it would be it, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that that you know if Trump wins assuming you know he's the GOP candidate and all that other political stuff that um you know it, it could be rolled back again I mean that's certainly yeah. you know yeah. a possibility so I think that that's certainly one you know, one piece to it as well as the other industry group challenges that we might see on a privacy basis or some other basis.
0: What else are you uh, expecting to see from uh, from OSHA this year?
1: Well, I, I mean, you know, if you look at what they have did last year in terms of their enforcement
0: memos, right, an
1: instant-by-instance enforcement memo and a memo reminding, you know, field offices, they don't have to, they have discretion not to group. I mean, I, I OSHA's, You know this administration has made clear that you know they don't think the current penalty structures are high enough that they can get the level of deterrence that they would like to see and they're trying to use enforcement tools that they already have like an instance by instance citation policy where you know if you if a compliance officer comes on site and sees somebody sees 10 people not wearing hard hats you know historically you you probably only see one citation for you know ppe not wearing a hard hat and here you know in certain regulations where the, the regulatory language will allow it osha says you can cite instance by instance and here's the criteria so you could get you know, 10 different um, items, right, and that would increase obviously 10 times, you know, the the, the penalty. So I think they're, you know, they're clearly going to be aggressive with enforcement. Um, the inspection hiring went down slightly last year, although at in, in supervisor level, Um, hirings went up a little bit, Um, but you know, the year before that it was a significant bump to hiring. So those inspectors are getting out there. They're now trained. Um, So I think you're going to see more aggressive enforcement. I think higher penalty assessments just based on these memos that they've, they've put out. That's certainly for sure.
0: And, you know, the, the top 10 uh, most cited standards, uh, again, for uh, for 2023 were, you know, kind of the usual suspects. Do you see uh, OSHA kind of bringing the hammer down more on folks who are having issues with things like file protection and hazard communication?
1: Well, I, like you said, Jay, I mean, if you look back and this goes back, I mean, not just, you know, the last two years with Biden, but even Trump and even before that. I mean, historically speaking, that top 10 list is – to use your phrase the usual suspects the order may change here and there um so you know I don't really I don't foresee um necessarily any aggressive move um because that's relatively consistent in terms of who's what hazards are on that list but but certainly right I mean these are all subject to and currently are to many national um emphasis programs and there are also of course regional emphasis programs, if, you know, if any particular region sees an uptick or, you know, thinks resources are better focused on particularly high injury hazards. I mean, that that's certainly a possibility and that will continually, you know, move and OSHA always looks at what should be part of those um, emphasis programs.
0: Are you expecting to see the, uh, the heat stress standard uh, come through this year? I know they're working on it
1: yeah i mean they've certainly been working on it i you know a lot of um you know employee groups are you know hoping that they will we will get something before um the summer comes um they've made progress it's worked its way through the rulemaking you know process so i i think it's likely you know whether it's a month from now or you know six months from now i guess we'll we'll see but that one is certainly much closer I think to, to us seeing a, a finer rule than you know some others uh, like maybe a workplace violence and healthcare, you know that's already started the process and in, in some re, in some respects, but certainly not as far along
0: as the the heat stress one. Yeah, I mean uh, it's not it's kind of surprising that there wasn't already a heat stress one just because it's not like it's a new issue, but I guess you know maybe the temperatures are getting a little warmer and people are getting more concerned. I don't know. Yeah, you know if the
1: the thing. Well, that Jay is a, so you know there is um you know a commission you know an OSHA commission case that um you know a couple of years ago um where the commission you know there they, they consolidated some cases of heat stress against the United States Post Office and they they reversed the citations and the commission there you know raised a couple of points right they said look I mean you know to the extent that heat has been a recognized hazard it's been this way for a long time so you know, the general duty clause may not be the way, you you know, you should go and then maybe you should have specific rulemaking, right? I mean, they almost put OSHA sort of challenged them to do this and they accepted. But, you know, but then you could go back and say, look, you know, you know, and there are there are cases case right now in the Supreme Court right on on rulemaking and deference and all that that we're keeping an eye on that certainly may affect um, you know an agency's ability to, to issue rulemaking, including OSHA, although that's not the focus of the case. But you know, was you know, I think when you, when OSHA was first passed, I mean, would you know, did, did we think Congress was thinking about? the sun and outdoor setting as a, as a hazard? I, I mean, probably not. I mean, maybe indoor if they're working right in obviously sort of artificial conditions. So, I mean, look, there are, there are arguments, you know, sort of both ways on, you know, whether this is an appropriate area for ocean to even regulate. But but I, look, I agree with you that, um, I, you know, that, that there's certainly, you know, it, it is a hazard, but I, but I I think, you know, all employees recognize that today, mm-hmm. right? And, and they take, you know, reasonable measures. And look, I mean, if you're going to focus your resources on people dying from heat stroke, which I know happens and I'm not diminishing, and obviously one death is too much, but if you look at the numbers versus how many people are dying, you know, off, say, you know, residential, commercial, you know, prod, residential roof, uh, residential right. roof. Projects, right? I mean, where do you want to fo- where should O should be focusing its time and energy on, right? I I I think you know a reasonable person can say, look, you know the numbers don't really stack up on heat stress versus roofing industries, particularly residential ones, for small companies that may not be complying with a lot of these fall protection standards. And as you point out, fall protection is number one on the list again. Yeah. Right? So. Where do you want to put where do you want to dedicate your your energies what's the better use of your time but you know those are you know i think you and i could probably sit here and debate that you know one way or the other you know for for, you know half a day i i guess but you know those (laughs) things that you know people are talking about and i think they're they're worthy
0: of discussion or thought well i guess you know certainly certain states have already kind of passed their own laws like california and i think washington and maybe minnesota uh, you know where you've got a lot of farm workers and folks you know working in you know that that summer heat and uh, you know at, at least to have you know sort of something built in so that you know companies can you know pay attention to when their employees are going out there and you know what they're what they're dealing with in terms of uh, outdoor uh, outdoor heat and, and that kind of stuff. I suppose it's not a bad idea, but um, we'll uh, we'll see if it comes out this year.
1: Yeah, you know, and look, I and I certainly wasn't suggesting that, you know, guidance, right, and OSHA, as you know, right, has a lot of guidance out there for heat stress already. I mean, my concern, and I think a lot Enforcement. of- Enforcement. <clears throat> right. I mean, it, yeah. you know, just things like, you know, breast, water, shade, I mean, that principle and other guidance that's already available on, on the, you know, on their website. But I, I think the concern a lot of management lawyers that practice in this space have, right, is that it, it, this is a one-size-fits-all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So if you're outdoors, here are the rules. And, and, and you know, a lot of industry groups, when they submitted materials to, to OSHA through the rulemaking process, particularly in construction, have said, look, you know, it can't be, it has to have flexibility, right? Even things like acclimation has to have flexibility right. because right. What's, what's good for, like you said, an agricultural employer in upstate New York is going to be different than a construction worker down in austin texas right it, it's hard to envision a set of rules that are going to be easily translated to every single industry across this country that it obviously has a lot of different weather right um weather highs and lows so i, I think that's the concern we obviously the devil's in the details we need to see what the final rule looks like but it, but i think sort of very strict requirements that are going to be tried to apply, try to be applied uniformly across the countries is going to present some real issues. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Uh,
0: and, and then there's the indoor too, right? And warehouses and you know, restaurants, things like that. So yeah, I guess we will see uh, might see a lot of comments when the uh, proposal comes out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. And obviously the you know that we if this is an indoor outdoor, um, standard that we expect to see so you know it doesn't matter where you are but but you're right but i think those are in in some ways even present more significantly more individualized issues right because you know the the temperature in one warehouse right you know is you know never going to be identical and quite frankly can be much different depending on the heat source right i mean is it outside or is it is it the equipment inside Right. How long is the equipment running for the duration? I mean, there's so many factors that can affect, you know, the potential for heat stress hazards, um, where, again, my concern is just hopefully the standard is going to be flexible enough where you're going to be able to take it into account. You know all of these individual issues that every work site has to take into account, whether it's heat stress or something else, right? Every yeah. every work site has its own individual factors that these standards, you know, for the most part, um, you know, look to.
0: Definitely. Well, should should be interesting when it comes out, uh, John. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great. Yeah. nice day. Always appreciate chatting with you. All right. That wraps up episode 191 of EHS On Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.